Hello and welcome to a, another edition of the Leader Sport Business Podcast. My name is James Emmett. I'm in Bangalore in India with my great good colleague David Kushner. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, James. I'm also in Bangalore and we have had a busy few days. Oh, have we? Have we? We're enjoying a, uh, we're enjoying a view from the deck uh, in the um, Patakoni uh, Dravid Sports Centre here in Bangalore overlooking um, a discotheque. I think it's fair to say, networking drinks in a discotheque. Yeah. Discotheque. This, uh, by day, is a uh, high performance uh, and actually very well used and very impressive uh, centre for sports excellence. We've got tennis courts away to our left. We've got uh, cricket fields over the way there. Uh, we've got a swimming pool down below us. And as you say, we've got the base pumping for the, uh, for for the, the networking disco. The formal networking yeah, drinks at the end of Leaders Meet India, the first yeah, edition. We've done two days of conferencing. It's time for the samosa chit chat and the networking curry to come out. Uh, everyone enjoying themselves. We're enjoying ourselves up here, actually. We're um, having a little bit of Kingfisher premium. Uh, and we're going to reflect on um, a couple of days of really interesting stuff here in India. This has been one very interesting event for all sorts of reasons, and it's been fabulous. My first visit to Same. India, yeah. your first visit to India. Uh, we're in Bangalore, of course, third largest city in India. It's also the highest city in India. And once, well, once we're on sort of numbers, uh, we're staying at the Four Seasons, and the bar at the top of the Four Seasons, is the 38th best bar in Asia. Yes, uh, so uh, we've had a lovely time. And uh, on the stage here at the uh, Patakone Dravid Centre for Sports Excellence over the last couple of days, we've had a real who's who of the Indian sports media and business community. Uh, we've had a couple of Olympic athletes who've been on stage, Abhinav Bindra, uh, Olympic gold medalist shooter, uh, Niraj Chopra, India's javelin hero, gold medalist hero, uh, has be, have been with us. Uh, we've had Smritri Mandana, uh, women's uh, IPL player for Royal Challengers Bangalore, our partners on this event, also India national team player. We've We've had Palella Gopachand, badminton champion. Yeah, we had also we had Raoul Dravid, the Wall himself, and um, the man, uh, one of the men whose name has been given to this venue. He was just in the audience. Who, you know, he didn't want to speak. He didn't want to. He didn't have anything to add. Alessandro Del Piero. So lots of top level athletes. Uh, Brendan McCullum, uh, England men's uh, Test team cricket coach, uh, is I believe still down there in the networking Do you know what? area Can after I just his say, session. Really interesting session. He's looking more and more like Conor McGregor, as you mentioned. He is he's beefing out a bit. Um, MVP for me, Will Brass. I know on this podcast, Chief Commercial Officer of uh, Premier League, a couple of weeks ago, we I think we sullied the name of Brass. A couple of weeks ago, uh, by indicating that perhaps we'd we'd wanted his friend, mentor, and boss, it has to be said, Richard Masters, to come sort of as a first choice. But actually, I've come to reflect on what we said then, and that's not true. Will Brass is always number one for me. He's been terrific, fantastic session uh, with you actually moderating it on the uh, the opening day yesterday. Creme de la creme. Uh, was when he took the reins for a session with the IPL chairman, Aaron Damal. I love that sort of stuff, David. When we're putting together conferences, I am a bit long in the tooth, I think, for a traditional, here's a panel session, who's going to moderate it? I want to spice things up and make it interesting. And I think the best way to do that is by matching 
key figures from different organisations who want to speak to each other and having the two best Premier Leagues in the world on stage with each other was fantastic. Yeah, and we've had 300 people who I think agreed with you who've been uh, in and around the uh, venue over the last couple of days. Just some fabulous speakers, as I mentioned, from the Indian uh, sports technology and business community. Uh, we had Harsh Jain, the co-founder of Dream11, the fantasy sports platform. Aaron Dumal, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the chairman of the IPL. Amitabh Kant, uh, who is a... Uh, uh, beg your pardon? Amitabh Kant, a senior diplomat and uh, political figure here in India, most recently has run the G20 summit, uh, was uh, fantastic on stage, um, hugely enthusiastic about India, uh, India's growth story, well beyond sport, the national brand building and picture. I've heard a rumour that if India were to get an Olympic Games at any point in the not too distant future, Mr. Kant would be in for a very senior position there. Indeed, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's the talk here. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about the Olympic uh, bid or the Olympic, the prospect of an Olympic bid uh, a little bit later. Darkness has fallen. Darkness here, has fallen. Um, and we're going to be joined shortly on the podcast in um, editing terms, at least, by Nick Coward, uh, special advisor to the Pro Kabaddi League, former general secretary of the Premier League, chairman of just about every sports organisation going, a man with more accomplishments than I've had hot dinners, um, whose LinkedIn profile saps the internet wherever you are so you can't fully watch it. Uh, extraordinary man, amazing knowledge. He's been with us for the past two days, really displaying that knowledge and bringing a lot to the event. But he is going to join us shortly to run us through some of the big talking points from here. We actually recorded that earlier, a little glimpse behind the curtain. It's um, it's been just uh, such a as we said fascinating two days to sort of start to understand a little bit more about this remarkable country and the, the sports industry that's developing here. If you were to sum it up in one word, James, how how might you do it? One word's difficult. Two words. Um, uh, I would say uh, bristling potential, bustling potential. I'd go with exhilarating. Noisy potential. Noisy potential is... Uh... Also precarious. I mean, we uh, have been getting um, transport from the venue back to the hotel and, and back again. And yesterday, David, we were involved in a collision with a cyclist. I mean, we weren't driving, but the traffic here is on a, a different level. And we um, knocked a cyclist off his bike yesterday, and it was a scary situation. Fortunately, everyone involved, mainly the cyclist, absolutely fine and safe to continue but you know it's hearts and mouths stuff a lot of the time there's eight million people who live in the the center of this city and i feel like we've many of them on, on of the them. roads at yeah. the same time yeah it's the traffic is uh, next level but uh, we've had a wonderful experience and uh yeah, I think lots to sort of take away and reflect on, and maybe we'll, we'll have a few more considered reflections next week. Yeah, shall we head into our regular section, looking at the, um, the biggest talking points in the industry over the last seven days or so? Let's do it. Why not? Okay, this is 180 Seconds of Sports Biz. 
Mark Cuban has reached a deal to sell a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks NBA team to Las Vegas billionaires the Adelson family. Dr. Miriam Adelson is the majority shareholder in casino operator Las Vegas Sands and has an estimated worth of $33 billion. This transaction value has been reported at $3.5 billion and the deal will be put to the NBA Board of Governors to be ratified. Celebrity businessman Cuban will remain a minority stakeholder in the franchise as well as taking full control of the team's basketball operations. Former Nike executive Nicky Doucette has been confirmed as the first CEO of the new company that will run the top two tiers of domestic women's football in the UK. Doucette, who has led Nike's women's business in the UK and Ireland and also has significant experience in investment banking, has been lined up for the role for months. The appointment has been confirmed following the unanimous agreement of the Women's Super League and Championship teams to move forward with plans to create a new co to manage the women's professional game in England. The first item on Doucette's agenda, manage the transition of both leagues away from FA control to the new co before the start of the 2024-25 season. Amazon's much-touted Black Friday NFL broadcast averaged 9.6 million viewers last week, some way short of the 34.1 million average for the three games on Thanksgiving itself, and lower than the 12.5 million average that Amazon managed for its Thursday night football broadcast in the first week of November. But the broadcast featured innovative new personalised ad technology that marks a deeper integration of a live shopping experience into live sport. Amazon paid the NFL around $100 million for exclusive streaming rights to the new Thanksgiving Friday game rights. Amazon is also part of NASCAR's new long-term broadcast package. And Amazon Prime's European sports chief Alex Green is scheduled to tell us more on the podcast next week. The IOC has effectively named the French Alps as the host of the 2030 Winter Olympics and Salt Lake City as host for 2034. Both venues have entered into targeted dialogues with the IOC ahead of formal confirmation next July. Switzerland is in discussions about the 2038 Games, buying time for the IOC to consider the long-term, climate-friendly future of the Winter Games. A Swedish project for a possible future Games was not taken forward. It's also been the week when the professional fighters League confirmed its much-anticipated acquisition of Bellator, that's number two and number three MMA promotions coming together as a single challenger to the UFC. WTA Ventures added to its executive ranks, naming World Surf League Sarah Swanson as its new chief brand officer under managing director Marina Storti. And there have been deals on wheels. Sportswear brand Decathlon has signed a major deal to join the AG2R World Tour cycling team as a title sponsor. Um, that was 180 seconds of Sports Biz, the um, On Location in India edition, David. And um, we've got Nick Coward here, Porters Consulting's Nick Coward. How are you doing, Nick? Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, um, I'm enjoying it. Where, describe, set the scene for us. Where are we? We're in Bangalore, Bengaluru. Uh, we're, at, um, we're, at, we're at one of it's part of the phenomenon of Indian sports where corporates are doing so much, so much hard work to really develop sports across across the nation particularly focusing on elite elite uh, performance and as and i guess the big story one of the big themes and stories has just been you know india olympics 2036 and what that is as part of a whole movement and a commitment to do amazing things here yeah uh, and actually it's a nice extension from one of these um, stories that we've touched on in our 180 seconds section olympics met well, or the ioc making decisions um you know doling out Olympic Games, um, they've gone up to 2030X 
peculiarly uh, for for the winters. 2036 is the next one on the summer slate that is, um, you know, there's no decision on. Um, as you say, Nick, there's, there seems to be, the whole place here is bristling with confidence that the Olympics are coming here to India. I think there's a number of, there's some big themes going on, I think, here. And as I said, one of them is that corporates have done a lot of heavy lifting and national government, federal government, state governments, federations, clubs, leagues, the whole system seems to be galvanizing seriously into action. We heard some amazing stats yesterday, about 100 and, what was it 150,000 plus schools brought into a plan together with what FIFA are doing at the other end through the Arsene Wenger, uh, Jed Roddy, uh, led, led uh, kind of talent ID and elite performance lens from a football perspective. Yeah, 2036 is seems to be such an enormous moment for, for the whole Indian sports movement to come together. I mean, personally, and someone who spends a lot of time in India, spent a lot of time with a lot of the people here at the conference, for them to have an early, uh, uh, an early signal that this, this land of 1.3 billion could be hosting the Olympics and the massive impetus that would create, that would be, that would be phenomenal, phenomenal. And we've actually gathered here over the last couple of days uh, a few of the people who may well have a, a really influential role in bringing an Olympics or certainly bringing an Olympics bid in the first instance to life. There's this expression of interest. It all sort of stemmed out of the IOC session in Mumbai uh, recently. And just picking up and talking to people on the on the margins, uh, there's a definite, as you say, there's a definite mood. And also I pick up, there's an understanding that this will very likely be a competitive race of sorts and therefore but there's also seems to be an understanding that actually the very process of going through the very complicated work of putting a bid together could in and of itself be really useful in putting as you say a bit more of a framework and a structure around the various sports the various ways in which sport is governed and organized and policy is created so I think there's a there is a there is a sense of realism, I think, amongst some of the, the people and some of the people who've been in and around the speaker room and on stage that this is a very much a long-term game. Nothing's a given, uh, but actually the, the process might be worth it. Of course it. there'll be a process, but I, I defy anyone to listen to Abhinav and uh, Neera Chopra, who we've had here, telling their stories in the way they've told them and not, not conclude that the Olympics here in this nation, right, right, you know, a decision soonest... To, um, to really galvanize the nation and take that on. That would be, I don't, I don't think there could be any other greater transformation story anywhere. Abhinav Binder was with us on stage this morning, uh, Olympic shooting champion for India. And he was, he's now increasingly uh, an active participant in the Olympic movement inside and outside India. Um, whilst not necessarily holding any official titles. So he's a little bit freer to... Delivered my quote of the two days as well. That, that sport is the roller coaster, not a roundabout. And I thought that was, that was a wonderful moment when I think the whole hall got exactly what... Whatever part of the industry they're, they're from, everyone's like, yeah, you're right. And that's why we love it. Yeah, he said, he said roller coasters are always more fun than merry-go-rounds. So. <laughs> and he, um, he outlined the three main areas, which are relatively obvious, but the three main areas that an Olympic bid needs to be focused around, sport, health and inclusion was number one, um, 
the economy for the future and skilling up a workforce and uh, some of the things we've talked about in terms of um, creating the structures uh, around the, the sports industry and then obviously global image enhancement. Just picking up a few things from sort of offstage conversations, um, thinking about potential host cities. Amenabad looks like it's the one for you know politically important um uh, city uh, within India currently, and uh, obviously and host host the, of the World Cup final, well, and the host city for the um, the first round of games in the Pro Kabaddi League season ten just coming up. Uh, yeah, absolutely, of course I have to mention absolutely, that. Nick. <laughs> and also, um, sort of in parallel with this uh, expression of interest, as it's being called in the twenty thirty six Olympics, um, there's also talk of what I assume would be something of a dry run. Uh, the Youth Olympic Games in 2030. And obviously the Youth Olympics is a competition that is often derided, but in and of itself, it's a, a hugely complex undertaking uh, to, to put an event like that on. So um, there's there's a lot happening. Kalyan Chobi was with us um, in his role, first and foremost, as the um, Association of Indian Football Federation president uh, yesterday. He was on stage for a, a sort of quick hit conversation and was on, on very good form talking about the the growth and the work that needs to be done on football in India. Uh, but he's got a really interesting new role as the interim CEO of the Indian Olympic Committee. So again, another another real power player who was uh, was in the building here. Yeah, and delivering that story about um, joining up uh, all the various initiatives going on in this, this you know, hugely complicated ecosystem, sports ecosystem. But he was the one talking about the, the huge schools program. I think it's fair also to say, though, and I think this is the this is the question that maybe will be asked by others around the world as they go through this process. Uh, and it's being said here: yes, we hear the words, but we need to see delivery. And I guess that was that was laying down their own gauntlet, really, saying well, this is what we are going to do. And in a certain timeline, people will need to see serious progress on these these with these huge words that are being said about you know transformation across the system. Hmm. There's this interesting uh, sort of. Uh, well, two-sided coin here in India. Like every every coin's got two sides, hasn't it? But the one in India particularly has two sides, uh, and they're very different. Um, well, the two sides are the same one. Um, but as you say, Nick, there is this um, sort of swing in momentum away from corporates to a more kind of national government responsibility to drive sport forward for all the reasons that sport is usually sort of driven forward anywhere in the world. Um, uh, and we're seeing that in terms of development projects, uh, investment into major kind of sporting initiatives around the country, uh, which is a very complicated country. But you're also seeing sports or international sports organizations, um, corporations looking at India and the raw kind of fundamental promise that a nation of 1.3, 1.4 billion people kind of has and thinking, well, it, it is maybe now, at last, realistic to kind of grow and commercialize in the country. And to that extent, I just want to throw out a few, a few numbers that have been, um, uh, been going around across the two days here in Bangalore. So first of all, on population, there's some dispute on total Indian population, by the way. You say 1.3 um, billion, Nick. Wikipedia tells me 1.4 billion. Um, really interesting the kind of Indian diaspora around the world as well which is which is huge so there are currently 18 million people who were born in India living elsewhere uh, there's a total estimated Indian diaspora of 32 million um, the majority of them living in the United States where cricket is being developed at pace 
Um, there are, according to Ellie Norman from Manchester United, the chief commercial uh, chief um, communications officer at Manchester United, 100 million Manchester United fans or followers, crucially, um, here in India. Harsh Jane, the founder of Dream Eleven, is one of them. Yeah. Harsh Jane is one of the Manchester United fans. Oh, yeah, but his... Dream his 11, numbers, there's yeah. 200 million Dream 11 users. So this is the, the fancy sports platform that is absolutely storming here in India. And there's, there's 12 million fantasy Premier League players here in India. Um, uh, in money terms, like really the only organization properly coining it here in India is the IPL. Um, and um, the current media rights cycle that the IPL is in, which runs from 2023 for five years, um, is worth $6.2 billion. Um, we had Aaron Damal, the chairman of the IPL, um, on stage in a fascinating conversation with Will Brass, chief commercial officer at the Premier League. And Aaron um, suggested that their projections are that the next media rights cycle will generate $15 billion. Um, so a um, was that a three hundred percent uplift? Extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary numbers here. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, you must see it, right? You've worked here in India directly since twenty seventeen with Pro Kabaddi League. I mean, I was going to swear, but things are getting real, aren't they, Nick? They are. And I thought Harsh story was. I, I mean, I I think it's a deeply fascinating story and a little known actually um, story of you know a. a, a a guy sitting in Seven Oaks at school, <laughs> you know, having a, putting together his fantasy team, thinking this would be a really great idea to take back to um, India. And wow, what a business they've achieved, as you say, with the 200 million players, uh, a unicorn that he, you know, he almost brushes away this idea that over, what is it, 12, 15 years, he and a huge number of colleagues, his co-founder and uh, have created this staggering business, which is, and another thing which I'm sure we've all picked up is how much there is, a, okay, yes, there's a global ecosystem. There's a global ecosystem of which we are part, but our absolute focus right now, whether it be IPL, whether it be Dream 11, Anil, I thought, said exactly the same thing from Viacom 18 uh, as well in the session yesterday, which was itself really fascinating. That's another hugely accelerating business with sport at its heart. All of them deeply focused on this market whatever the number is you know let's say a very significant market and it was interesting to hear from um a very senior diplomat politician Amitabh Kant yesterday who came and gave a, a, a in some respects a, a freestyling rallying cry uh, providing the macro picture about India and Amitabh Kant has been deeply involved in the incredible India campaign and taking that to the world in in the previous guise um, mo more recently he's been the organizer of the G2 uh, G20 summit uh, which took place in uh, Delhi uh, a few weeks ago and in fact the G20 handover was uh, I think just today so he was uh, we were we were very uh, privileged to have uh, an hour or so of his time yesterday to come and talk big picture. And one of the things that he uh, really uh, majored on was the digitalized population here, the digital, the number of digital transactions that are made here 
the young population and it strikes me it struck me struck me listening to your conversation just a short while ago with harsh jane on stage that dream 11 is really uh you know has has come to grow in the way that it has through the sort of trifecta ipl digital digitalizing population and that sort of young dynamic however many people that are um that are here in india and and all of those things there's a there's a there's a timing sweet spot as well in all of this that that uh uh Jane, dream 11 are one of very few companies to have really really seized on and he he referenced geo um so i thought that was you know and as you say the adoption of you know the mobile is the way i live my life which is you, know, you can see it everywhere as we've been wandering around the city that there's there's no doubt about this and particularly such a such a young nation which is another big part of um, every politician talking about that and I think that that's you've absolutely highlighted this big theme I've been lucky to have snapshot views of of you know India if that's not a, a borderline ridiculous thing to say when you think about the vastness of, of the Indian sports ecosystem but the snapshot view from last time even in January to now and over the over the past six or so years is that the signal from the federal government is absolutely yes, let's do this. There have been there have been moments in the past couple of years, and maybe COVID was a was a bit of a break on something that would have happened. But right now is a very strong. We, we federal government working with state governments and all the other institutions, see what you corporate India have been doing, the hard work you've been doing here, Vivek and what he's achieved here, JSW, Reliance, Tata, others, and we are now going to do are part of the bargain. It was interesting speaking to someone who understands the Australasian, Australian system most, was saying, okay, I recognize this, but this is the kind of facility that, that state authorities in Australia, for instance, would be doing, and I guess recognizing from the UK, you know, publicly funded. That's what, that's what the private sector has done. Government's now saying here, it seems to me, very strongly, we're in. We've had quite a strong theme on stage through the event over the last couple of days on grassroots development and participation and where and how the link is made between that and the elite professional end of the sport that we all spend probably more of our time thinking about and I was given a very I think healthy reminder when I was talking to one of the speakers prior to their session earlier when we were talking about simply how vast this country is and it's quite hard to process when you uh, have come from a a much smaller uh, more compact nation like the the UK Uh, there are states in this country that are fourth or fifth in terms of population, you know, on the rankings of, of national populations. Uh, and that is, that's quite a challenging thing to process when you are not from somewhere like here. And actually, there's a, uh, there's a state by state approach here, which um, is probably getting a big shout out. And there are others, Tamil Nadu as well. Getting... Absolutely. And it's, it's probably something that adds another level of complexity and challenge to providing this sort of united, strong, uh, effective approach framework nationally. Um, But I think it's important, and I think probably one of the things that some of the international organizations that we've had here this week might you know, find it useful to, to think about is is not necessarily just what's your India strategy, but actually thinking a little bit more piecemeal about some of these big, powerful states, uh, which have huge numbers of people and all sorts of um, uh, processes and programs in place um, for all aspects of sport from that grassroots level right through to hosting major international events. It's a theme, Will Brass, and I think we're, we're 
trying to develop in our session, and you mentioned Ellie and Scott and others, and maybe that's the way to answer the the perhaps the those who are more skeptical and heard words before in the audience here. Um, when you talk about 150,000 schools, how many coaches? How many coaches, qualified coaches, do you need on a national, state level in order to meet that expectation? That's a very significant demand. It seems to me that yes, Premier League, others, Bundesliga are here. Um, you know, other leagues we know, La Liga, others, FIFA. The FIFA who were here what two weeks ago with their major announcements. AFC, massive, massive interest in the growth of the game here. And I'm just focusing on football, and then you roll that across all other sports at all age ranges, girls and boys, because girls, women's sport has been a big theme, I think, um, in the last two days as well. But maybe those other institutions could really help by focusing on coaching, equipping the kind of people to actually deliver on this 150,000 schools promise that we've heard. Um, other fascinating aspects of this country, you talk about uh, digitizing nation. Um, there are lots of sort of contradictions going on because yes, it is a digitizing nation. Yes, it is a burgeoning middle class, but of course there's a lot of poverty here still and you can, even Bangalore is a very advanced city um, relatively, but you can still see, you know, quite a lot of poverty uh, around. Um, it's uh, a competitive media landscape. There are lots of players in the market, but consolidation is happening at the moment and things like TikTok are banned here, right? They're, they have... Uh, a pretty strict regulator when it comes to lots of new media. So when you talk to international organizations who might ordinarily have a straightforward approach to kind of building um, audiences in a country like India and trying to develop media rights values, they actually are sort of tend to be pushed down a more experimental route. We were talking to someone from the International Olympic Committee earlier who said that India is actually an amazing market for them to experiment with. Um, and uh, to try th to try using WhatsApp for WhatsApp is absolutely gigantic here. You know, you, you cannot reach anyone on an email. You can't reach them even if you sort of talk to their, you know, directly to their face. But WhatsApp them, and you're going to get there. And there are sports organisations experimenting with um, content output on WhatsApp here, which is very interesting. A, a few other notes and observations. Um, John Tibbs. Uh, you know, comms and lobbying impresario John Tibbs. He's not here at the moment, but he is making an impact. And no doubt he'll be interested in the Olympic um, uh, sort of state of things Olympics-wise here. He set up two of the speakers for a dinner last night. Um, so he set up Abinav, um, the shooting uh, gold medalist, with Ellie Norman from Manchester United. They had a, a cosy little dinner last night. They're both John Tibbs... Uh, Friends and clients, I would suggest. Um, best dressed. I always like to uh, cast my around for a, a best dress. There's lots of, um, uh, you know, lots of challenges in this one. And a shout out to Anish Madani, uh, a former IOC exec, with some splendid socks and a new haircut yesterday on day one. But my vote's going to be for Alessandro Del Piero, um, who, who, who arrived yesterday wearing genuinely rose-tinted spectacles. Uh, he, he, he looked like, um, I'm going to say it's sort of a, a, a heavy from uh, the Johnny Depp film Blow. Do you know that one? Um, extraordinary. But, you know, he smelt great. He looked great. Uh, and he sounded great, too. Well, I've got to... I I'm going to challenge you on that. I think Lauren Smritti, with their double smoking jacket uh, look, actually, 
if you want to get into a fashion stakes and that's that's don't take advice from me um also a colleague from star sports who's here who always always looks great i'm looking forward to his outfit um as i say in Ahmedabad in 48 hours time but he always he always impresses so i'm going to put him to one side i'm going to give it to laura and smriti Oh, I thought everybody looked great. Uh, Nick, uh, let's uh, round things off. Uh, let's talk about it. Got to mention in the uh, uh, Harsh Jane conversation, um, and it wasn't prompted by you, which was, uh, or it may have been backstage, but um, he was very bullish, actually, on uh, the prospects of Kabaddi emerging as the sort of clear number two sport here in India. Um, where Where is it at? What's your sort of quick, quick fire assessment of uh, health of the sport in India? India. Well, I mentioned Star Sport. I mean, you know, hats off. This is um, Indian sports stories, and we've heard many um, over the last um, day and a half or so that that speak to the significance of the major corporates, whether they be media players, others who are the front who turned themselves into key franchise owners. But the media media operators such as Star, and in the, in the, in relation to the Pro Kabaddi League they have together with the franchises done an amazing amazing job to turn something season 10 starts soon that's over seven eight years that is with plus the covid period it's been a deep challenge but it is this is i i was talking with will right at the beginning of this about cultural relevance when we were talking about how can international sports think about india and well i think kabaddi is a great case study of there was a colossally culturally relevant everyone knew it here everyone had kind of played it in some way but there had never been a professional league there has been over the last nine seasons uh, and I'm sure that season 10 is going to smash numbers as well and yes I will say to people you know and they generally have a smile on their face when I talk about Kabeddi that anyone who watched Channel 4 years ago um, in the UK IPL out there clearly I think PKL probably halfway, but then between there and and the next, which is probably probably ISL. Or interesting again, the stories that coming out of this when people are talking about volleyball, talking about handball, badminton, obviously key in there. Other sports as well, which bringing it all the way back to 2036, it'd be really fascinating to see how that story plays out and the and the, the broadcast rankings. Super. Uh, Nick, it's been uh, not only a pleasure, but incredibly helpful to have you out here with us with all your expertise and and market knowledge. So we really appreciate it. And uh, that's it for us in Bangalore. Thank you, James. Thank you, David. And we will uh, reconvene in London next week.